Welcome, everybody, to the Donnie Yen Show. We've reformatted. George Sanders is dead to us. We we won't, don't want anything to do with that guy anymore. He's. Did you know that he committed suicide, Sean? I did, because he was <laughs> bored. <laughs> no, I still love George. George is the best. But this week, we're taking a break from George, um, and we're saluting Donnie Yen, because as you pointed out, 2016... Looks like it's going to shape up to be the year of Donnie Yen. Um, r- rattle off the films that Donnie's going to be in this year, Sean. We know, I know the uh, Star Wars. Yeah, he's in uh, Rogue One, which opens at the end of the year. He's in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2. And uh, he's in Ip Man 3, which just opened this week, although it is, by our reckoning, a 2015 film. Correct. Um, and so, in honor of Donnie... Uh, we're going to do two movies that uh, that feature him uh, prominently uh, and are also directed by the same director, which is another first for the George Sanders show, for the Donnie Yen show, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> two films directed by uh, Wen Wu Ping. The first one we'll discuss is Iron Monkey from 1993. Um, we're going to be talking about the original cut of that that has been pretty much impossible to find uh, in the United States, thanks to uh, our, our favorite villains, the Weinsteins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're also going to talk about a breakdancing comedy called Mismatched Couples uh, from 1985, uh, which also features Wen Wu-Ping uh, in a supporting role in that film as well. So uh, it's it's a Donnie, Donnie-tastic show. Yeah, um, it's, the, the, this, it's the Donnie Yen show. Your dream has come true, Sean. It's everyone's dream has come to <laughs> true. Uh, Donnie, right. Donnie's, uh, Donnie's doing the music for the that's, show. That's, he's, yes, that's, he's doing it all. He really is. He's uh, uh, he's a quadruple threat. We went down. We went down some Donnie Donnie Yen uh, rabbit holes in anticipation for this show and discovered that, uh, yeah, he's he's capable of pretty much anything. So you'll be, you'll be hearing from him on the breaks and, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, and, uh, uh, obviously uh, he's our person of the week and, yes. uh, our, our essential this week, cinema central dance fight. That's right. <laughs> Which will make more sense when we talk about mismatched couples. Yeah. Um, which is also really, really hard to find. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we, we did Star Wars. You know, we did two episodes dedicated to Star Wars and stuff. And, you know, it's time to go back uh, into our, you know. Scour your, the, your Chinatown's video sections for That's this right. week's uh, for films. VHS copies of these films. But yeah. uh, let's start with a uh, clip here from uh, Iron Monkey. And this will not be the dubbed version clip. No, it will not. <laughs> Hey! 
Okay, so we've talked about a few kung fu movies on the show before, right? We talked about uh, Chang Che's uh, Duel of Fists. We talked about the Sammo Hung film, uh, The Victim. And we talk about Wheels on Meals. We well, that was part of our '84 show. Okay. Um, yeah, I, we didn't do a dedicated episode to it, but yes. And and we did uh, the Grandmaster. But uh, we've never done anything from what what for me is like the golden age of the kung fu film, and that is the this this early 1990s period, kind of between 1991 and 1994, where there were, yeah, it's it's that small a period, but there were so many movies put out in that time, uh, that are kind of mixes of of slapstick comedy with traditional kind of reinventing traditional kung fu plot lines and folk heroes. And the the best example of that is Choi Hark's Once Upon a Time in China series, which kind of kickstarted this uh uh kind of mini renaissance of the the kung fu film. And in that one Jet Li plays a guy named Wang Fei Hung, who is uh who was a real person who lived in the early 20th century and in the post-war period became the the subject of a an extremely popular series of films starring Quan Tok Hing. Uh, he played Wong in, I believe, 77 different films between 1949 and uh, 1980 or so. And those those Wong Fei Hung films uh, proved to be uh, they were like a, a training ground for a lot of the people who would come to to dominate. Uh, kung fu films in the 1960s and 70s. That's where um, Lau Kar Lung worked uh, as a stuntman and then as a choreographer. It's where uh, Wen Wu Ping and his father both worked as uh, stuntmen. And uh, I think uh, uh, Wu Ping's uh, father, uh, Wen Sui, Yen Siu Tian, uh, also played like a villain, like a recurring villain on the, the show as well. Uh, so the, the Wong Fei Hung figure is, is very dignified. He's like an upholder of these like Confucian ideals of like the masculine hero. He's very moral and, uh, he acts with honor and is very reserved. He's like this patrician figure. Uh, Wen Wu Peng in, in 1978, when he first started directing movies, uh, his second film was called Drunken Master with Jackie Chan. And it is a complete subversion of the whole idea of Wang Fei Hung. Uh, it has uh, uh, Yuan Su Tian playing the drunken master who teaches the young Wang Fei Hung, played by Jackie Chan, uh, how to do kung fu. And it's like completely body and ridiculous. And uh, it's a he's a drunken master. Uh, and it's very good. It's very good. And it's the it's the film that made. Jackie Chan a star and launched Wen Wu Peng on this uh, ongoing career of directing movies and as an action choreographer. Uh, the Once Upon a Time in China series are just kind of reestablishing the dignity of the Wang Fei Hung character. Jet Li plays the character, and it's kind of a, it's kind of a history of pre-war China seen through the eyes of this hero, and it's. Uh, you know, adapting history to present day concerns of, of Hong Kong as it's about to be handed back to China. 
Uh, Iron Monkey is a part of that series. It's kind of a, a uh, Once Upon a Time in China prequel. Uh, Wong Fei-hung is a, a child in the film, and he and his father, uh, Wang Ke-ying, who is played by Donnie Yen, are traveling to uh, a city somewhere in the north. And while they're there, they run across a masked hero who is fighting corruption in the Qing Dynasty government uh, and like stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. He's like a Robin Hood figure. And the Wongs get kind of caught up in Iron Monkey's fight against the establishment. So the the film was very much in in that tradition and that's what the Weinsteins cut out of it. <laughs> when, when, when the Weinsteins, when Miramax released Iron Monkey in the U.S., they had the rights for a long time, but they didn't release it until 2001, after, following the success of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And so what they did is they cut out all of the political content of the, the subtitles just by changing the subtitles. They changed the music to sound like the music in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and they they changed the uh, uh, they changed a lot of the context, so you don't really understand that it's a Wong Fei Hung story. And it's kind of the the key moments in the film uh, have this recurring theme that kind of that that builds that is uh, that anyone who has ever seen a Wong Fei Hung film recognizes as the Wong Fei Hung theme song. You see it in Lao Kar Lung's Wong films. You see it in the the serials. You see it in Once Upon a Time in China. It's like one of the most famous pieces of music in Chinese film. And the Weinstein's cut it out of their movie. So the 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 story is in the Weinstein's version. It's just a kung fu action movie where you know masked guy fights corruption and there's like no nuance to it at all there's like a little kid who fights and like hey little kid fights it's just like uh, in indiana jones in the temple of doom <laughs> but in the original version of the movie seen in the the context of this whole series of films it's it's about the creation of this of this hero and it's incredibly moving when like the the music kicks in for the first time when they actually start acting heroic like it adds so much to the film that it's it's really a travesty that the weinsteins butchered it so at least that's how it played for me how did it play for you who is not a wong fei hong aficionado <laughs> did you want me to talk because you could have just you could do the whole thing i could go uh, on and on and I know on you can. about wong uh, fei hong and i'm gonna try not to no it's great <laughs> You're passionate. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, so I saw the Weinstein cut of this, I don't know, 10 years ago or so. And um, yeah, I don't. I didn't have much of a memory of it at all um, besides some choice scenes. But I did remember I wasn't too, you know, bowled over by it or anything like that. And when I went to log this on Letterboxd uh, after watching it this time and seeing the original cut, which I really, really enjoyed quite a bit, um, I, I noticed my original rating for it was like a, a full star lower. And, and, and I think part of that goes to that kind of stuff. And, and it also, you know, even when you oftentimes when you don't, when you see a, 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 an edited version of something, even if you're not even aware that it's, it's been cut, 
it has a weird rhythm to it and it and it just doesn't feel right in a way and i think that that actually kind of sat with me with the weinstein version even before i knew like i was just like it felt a little disjointed it felt a little weird um like, but, uh, ryth- like rhythmically it's off like they cut out they cut out some of like the wackier slapstick sequences. there's a lot of hu- there's a lot of humor in the first 15 minutes of this that i'm pretty sure i mean it's been a while but i i don't remember that being in there right there's a there's this hollywood idea that films have to be tonally consistent that uh you know a serious action movie can't have slapstick stuff in it whereas there's no such uh prejudice in in hong kong film a a film was expected to contain multitudes and it's uh it's the same way in a lot of world cinemas it's only this kind of hollywood screenwriting 101 idea that a movie should just be one thing right yeah so uh so yeah there it's like you said it's got uh, it's got multitudes now you know yeah. it used it used to be on a on a single track and now it's expansive um even though and and what, one of the things I love about this movie I think is really cool um the the uh, incidents take place over a very short period of time on these pretty enclosed sets um so it's not expansive in that regard, but in terms of myth making and all those kinds of things, uh, it's really uh, it, I don't want to epic is such an overused word, but it's it you know it has that quality to it, yeah. um, and it's and it's really awesome. And and the and and I mean, you, you can talk about the humor, you can talk about the history and all that stuff, but this is also I mean, I'm not an aficionado like you said. This movie has some of the best fight scenes ever. Yeah, and that and that's the primary draw, of course, and and that's uh, it's one of the things I love about this this period of kung fu film, which is it's not realistic in the way that like Lau Kar Lung's films are. There's there's a lot of uh, use of wires uh, and and quick editing to to cover things up, uh, but. Uh, you know, directors like like Wen Woping and and Corey Wen and and Choi Hark are so imaginative with the way that they use the wires, and their performers are so athletic with the stuff that they can do. Uh, it's, it's like it's, it's astonishing. You see things that you've never seen before in a film, and uh, this this the finale of this is is one of those those great scenes in cinema where. Uh, where Iron Monkey and and uh, and Donnie Yen are fighting the villain, and they're all standing on top of these like tall wooden poles that are on fire. Yeah, <laughs> and it just keeps up in the ante, like the like uh, half the poles you know fall into the fire, and so they they've got less you know less space to stand on or you know uh, options, I guess. Um, and then, yeah, it just keeps whittling away at these poles and the flames are getting higher and, oh man, yeah. it's, it's crazy. And you know, you know that they're like held up by wires, that there's like, you know, that it's not, it's not all entirely real, but it's more real than CGI fire. So it's like, it's, it's like this, this middle ground between using technology and still, you know, having an actual sense of danger. Oh yeah, absolutely. In in the film, like it's 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 there's a tactility to the the stunt work, even though the actors are flying. Right. <laughs> even even though they're like 
kicking, you know, when they do that that move where you uh, both feet like slap someone in the face like three times repeatedly and stuff. Right. Um, that the, it's the uh, the famous Wang Fei Hung uh, shadowless no sh- kick. No shadow kick. Yeah, yeah. The, the the shadowless kick where he, and you know that like it, it you know it's it's sped up. It's undercranked, so uh, the film is sped up just like a like a silent comedy. Um, but it's still really cool to see Donnie Yen like kick somebody five times without like putting his foot down. Right. Yeah. <laughs> even uh, if it's, uh, even it's if it's like faster, if it's artificially faster. No, it all works. It, and, and this is the difference between uh, the, this and the, uh, the uh, Weinstein cut is it, is it all flows. It all, it all, it all feels organic. Uh, you know, it all, it all, it all serves. It all, it all works within the world that the movie is building. And, uh, and yeah, it just goes off like gangbusters. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's it's very much in in the in the continuity of of other kung fu films. Like not just the stylistically with the Once Upon a Time in China films and like the previous Wang Fei Hung serials, but also with with the the Shaolin movies, uh, because the the villains in this film turn out to be. It turns out to be the guy who I don't I don't know if you know the the legend of the Shaolin Temple. But it's uh, you know thirty six chamber of Shaolin. Uh, short- as, a, as a disciple of the Wu Tang Clan, <laughs> I'm intimately familiar. But please elucidate. Uh, the the Shaolin Temple are these monks that had like a highly developed kind of of kung fu. Uh, they became involved in resistance against the Qing Dynasty in the seventeen uh, hundreds or so. Uh, it's all kind of it's it's folklore. It's also a real thing. It's unclear what is real and what is not. Uh, but but most like kung fu schools that are still around today trace their lineage back to this myth of the Shaolin Temple. And at some point, the temple was destroyed. And the story is that one of the monks from within the temple betrayed them to the Qing, who then came in and like killed all of the monks. And the the monks who fled the temple kind of dispersed throughout southern China, where not only did they establish kung fu schools where they where they passed down various forms of martial arts, but they also, uh, according to uh, one legend, uh, began the secret societies that tr- eventually turned into the organized crime uh, groups called triads that are the villains in a lot of uh, Hong Kong police films today, like Johnny Toe's election movies. They all trace their lineage back to the destruction of the Shaolin Temple, and Wang Fei Hung is one of those uh, descendants of the the Shaolin Temple style. His father learned from somebody who was a Shaolin monk. So when the, when the villains of this film are like exposed as 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 monks, you you know that that Wang Keying is is like especially outraged at them and when the ultimate villain turns out to be the guy who in this version of the story betrayed the monks and betrayed the temple right that he's brain, like the worst guy ever he's like the worst guy ever <laughs> and and the fact that the final battle takes place amid flames is this callback to the burning of the Shaolin temple which is this kind of archetypal image in kung fu mythology nice yeah so it's it's really neat how it ties together all of these various threads of the mythology around the kung fu films and and folk legends and you know you don't have to 
It's great, and I and I'm love I love hearing this stuff because watching it, I don't you know I'm following it, but I don't know what you know I I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> right. Uh, you know what I mean. Um, and and so it 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 really does deepen my appreciation for the film. Um, but you don't have to have this. Uh, you don't have to have absorbed that history to uh, to follow this. Um, it works on on a number of levels for you know whatever your kind of experience is with like I feel like this is a movie that you could show someone that's never seen a kung fu movie before you know and it would be a great starting point for them yeah yeah and it I, would also be a great movie for someone that uh, you know obviously has consumed you know an entire history's worth of of the genre yeah and that's and that's one of the things I think that makes like the really great kung fu films really great is that because they do contain so many things there are so many ways to go into them and so many things that you can get out of them like if you just like watching people hit people and then you know have jokes about it this movie is perfectly entertaining but if you're like actually if you're you know if you know, if you're interested in like the the greatest you know martial arts performers that we have on film, then it doesn't get any better than than Donnie Yen in 1993. Yeah, he's really great. Uh, and if you know if you're a a nut for kung fu films, this is this is one of the best of them. Yeah, so, it's really good. Yeah. Um, and and what what's also great about it is is the supporting characters too. Like you've got this this father son relationship, which is which is really you know the fundamental element of the film, and 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 you know they're separated for a long stretch of the of the story, and you see um, how the the ideals of the father are being you know translated to the son who who has like you said um, this very moral center. <clears throat> excuse me, um, very moral center um as, as they're kind of navigating a world that uh is morally bankrupt um but then you've got these other characters um like iron monkey uh who is uh you know by day a a, a very giving uh doctor who you know doesn't charge the the poor uh, to to get to get help and stuff and then at night does his uh robin hood routine um, and then the woman that he uh, has trained and who he saved from a life of prostitution. Um, little Orchid. Little Orchid, who is totally badass. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just like super, super cool. Uh, and, and the great thing, too, spoilers here, but um, there's also this great uh, kind of egalitarian kind of moment at the end of the film where uh, they're all, all three of them are dressed as Iron Monkey. Yeah. Where it, and it's like, it's like we're all Iron Monkey. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it doesn't matter who's it's in like, the it's suit. Like a, it's like a wear Spartacus. Like a... I'm right, Spartacus exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're all Batman. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, I I love how, like the the Wong Fei Hung character is 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 kind of central to the film. Like like he's the little boy and he has. Uh, the actor who plays him is actually a, a woman, uh, Angie Chang. Uh, uh, she he has like a great fight scene where he's like fighting a gang of of toughs and is just beating the hell out of them, and it's really cool. Um, and Angie Chang is is really tremendous in the part. I think and, fantastic. Yeah, we were, we were looking her up before before the show started, and she's. She went on to be like a multiple like martial arts wushu champion and is a policeman or a policewoman in Hong Kong now. And uh, 
that would be really cool to have your, you know. What a life, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I retired from being like the best martial artist and decided to become a cop. And yeah. I mean, come on, that's crazy. Uh, and but anyway, you see, you see the way that like the young uh, Fei Hung is kind of is influenced by both his by both his father, who's who's very dignified and and traditional, and is you know always standing upright and and holds an umbrella, which is Wang Fei Hung's kind of signature weapon. Uh, but he's also getting this kind of uh, uh, moral sense from Iron Monkey, this this kind of. Uh, need to go out into the world and help people as opposed to just, you know, behaving on your own with dignity to actually actively right. pursue justice. And it's, uh, it's the combination of those two things that make Wong Fei Hung, uh, the, the hero that he becomes right. in, in cinema. Uh, I also love the, the character of the, the local chief of police who is, who is sympathetic to iron monkey. He's also, uh, He's like similar to like the uh, like the uh, the captain in uh, like the Zorro serials, who is like always trying to capture Zorro, but he's like fundamentally a decent guy. Right. Um, yeah, that character is really great. Yeah, it's also he also reminds me a lot of the Claude Rains character in Casablanca. Right. Where he's he's a little bit amoral, but he's you know eventually he'll probably do the right thing, and right. his. His storyline has like a great tag on it at the end, like after the final fight, uh, Wong, Wong Fei Hung hugs his father and Little Orchid hugs yeah. uh, Iron Monkey and they're like, I'm so glad you're safe. I'm so glad you're safe. And, uh, and the, the officer is like, why doesn't anyone, why isn't anyone glad that I'm safe? Right. What? Nobody loves me. <laughs> Nobody cares like, about yeah. me. No, and it's just, it's just like a little like spoken thought aside. And, and, you know, when doesn't, doesn't linger on it. It just, it's just this great kind of comic tag to what had been like an, like an incredible action sequence. Right. Yes. Uh, absolutely stunning. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, have you, have you seen Iron Monkey 2? Which I which is not uh, not related related I, to this at all. I, I haven't. I also haven't seen the 1977 film Iron Monkey, which is also not related, but uh, was directed by Chen Quantai and stars him and uh, Beardy, who remember Beardy. From, yeah. Oh, I love Beardy. Yeah, Beardy from uh, uh, the Victim. The victim. Oh, yeah. Beardy's the best. Man, I might need to seek that out. Love yeah. me some Beardy. But but this is great, and if you if you haven't seen the Once Upon a Time in China movies, they are they are essential. Uh, uh, also, the the Fang Saiyuk films with Jet Li direct, directed by Corey Wen uh, are also really great. And uh, Wen Woping's follow up uh, to this, uh, which also starts Donnie Yen and uh, Michelle Yeoh, called called Wing Chun, is is really really great as well. Like I said, this this is my this is like the first period of Kung Fu films that I, that I watched and it, it, it remains my favorite. And, you know, there's so many, you know, peaks in Kung Fu cinema, but, but I, I, I love these movies. It's a good place to, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a sumptuous looking movie and it, and it, yeah, it, it, it contains multitudes. Mm-hmm. Sean Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to, like we said, we're going to listen to Donnie, uh, you know, branching out, doing his thing today. Um, and so we're going to listen to him play a little, uh, little of the 88 keys here, if I'm not mistaken.
Yeah, this is uh, Donnie playing uh, Chopin. That's one of the impromptus, I think. Impromptu 84. Not sure about that. But uh, yeah, this is Donnie Yen playing the piano because he can do that. <laughs> Okay, that was actually uh, uh, Chopin's Fantasy Impromptu, Opus sixty six, played by sixty six, sixty six, played by by Mister Donnie Yen. Execute order sixty six. <laughs> uh, we're gonna what? Go go ahead, go ahead. Oh well, I said we're gonna we, we're gonna do something on the show we haven't done in a while. Uh, we're gonna resurrect an old fan favorite. <laughs> And when I say fan, I, I do mean singular. Um, we're going to talk about uh, what's Sean watching, because it actually ties in very well with this Donnie Yen episode here. So, uh, Sean, what, my friend, have you been watching? Well, I watched the movie that is the reason why we're watching Donnie Yen movies this week, and that is Donnie Yen's new movie, Ip Man 3, which is okay. <laughs> yeah, I read your... Uh, I read your review of it and uh, you, you weren't you weren't over the moon for it uh well this this is the sixth it man film to come out since 2008 uh three of them the these three are star donnie yen and are directed by wilson yip who has uh i think has done uh three additional movies with with donnie in in recent years um 
including uh, SPL and Flashpoint, which are which are present day cop films and are very good. And they're kind of the movies that that is, that finally, after 20 years, established uh, Donnie as a star in, in Hong Kong. But the the Ip Man films are extremely popular, but they are my three least favorite of the Ip Man movies that have been made since. Mm. There's there's the Grandmaster, of course, which which we talked about way back in the like episode ten of the show. Yeah, long time ago. Which, My favorite movie of that year. Yeah, which 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 we both loved a lot, and and starred Tony Tony Lung as uh, as the the Wing Chun master. And then there's also the two uh, Ip Man films that are directed by Herman Yao. Uh, there's one called. Uh, 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 the the first one's called uh, the Legend is Born Ip Man, which uh, kind of follows Ip's college years as he's like first starting out as a uh, in Wing Chun and and focus- does he go does he go on a panty raid? And <laughs> he goes to a dance and, oh, okay. and and woos a, a young lady. All right, whose father is Lam Suet. What? Yeah. Oh, I can't uh, on this. It, uh, it 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 focuses a lot on kind of the the specific details of the Wing Chun style and what it is that that Ip did to make it not true Wing Chun, which is which is actually a plot point in Ip Man Three, but never really makes sense. Like uh, uh, Ip uh, would like kick above the shoulder, which you're not supposed to do in traditional Wing Chun. It's a very kind of close combat fighting style. Mm. Um, and uh, so he innovated in the form, and so that's that's kind of like the major conflict in in this first film is whether or not you can innovate or you should follow tradition. And there's so there's like an actual theme to it. Whereas in the the Yip Yen Ip Man films, uh, there's not much that you would call a theme. Mm. Uh, even better though is the the sequel to that, which is uh, Ip Man: The Final Fight, in which the Anthony Wong plays the main character, uh, and and there's a great story about it, which is uh, Anthony Wong said in a in an email that he was drunk when Herman Yao asked him to be in the movie, <laughs> and he said yes, and then regretted it. <laughs> uh, but he's actually regretting. He plays he plays uh, Ip as a as an older man uh, around the same time that Ip Man Three takes place, which is. Um, in the early 1960s, uh, he's not yet uh, famous as Bruce Lee's teacher, but he's well-respected in Hong Kong after having moved there following the, the Chinese Civil War in 1949. His school's doing okay. In, in Ip Man 3, he lives with his wife and his youngest son. The youngest son goes to an elementary school, and the elementary school is being terrorized by a gang of toughs uh, acting on the behest of Mike Tyson, who wants to buy their property and they don't want to sell. Uh, so he defends the school from the Tufts and eventually fights Mike Tyson. And it yes. is, it's really cool. It's, it's like everything you want a Donnie and Mike Tyson fight to be, they, they deliver. So, I mean, if you go to the movie, just wanting that you right. will be, you will be satisfied. Right. <laughs> but with the, with these series of films, they're, to tie this into what we were talking about with Iron Monkey, uh, Ip Man is turning into a folk hero on the level of Wong Fei Hung, 
Wang Feihung, like it, like it man, was an actual guy who was an actual kung fu teacher who had actual students. Lao Karlung's father was the student of one of Wang Feihung's students. So there's like three degrees of separation between Wang Feihung and Lao Karlung. Uh, it man, of course, is famous as the the teacher for Bruce Lee and. The Donnie Yen films are kind of consciously turning Ip Man into this Wong Fei Hung figure, where he is the a symbol of a, a you know a 21st century version of that kind of Confucian patriarchal idea, ideal. Uh, but in order to do that, they have to kind of make up shit about Ip. And one of the things they do in Ip Man Three is they have a major plot line be Ip's wife suffering from cancer and him spending time with her to the point that he's like neglecting uh his kung fu fighting like he's challenged by a rival wing chun master who thinks that he's uh not following the traditional form and he and it doesn't fight him because he wants to spend time with his dying wife but in actuality Ip's wife moved to Hong Kong with him and hated it there and then moved back to the mainland and they never saw each other again. Mm. And one of the, 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 the best scenes in any of the films, the Wong Kar Wai film included, is in, in Ip Man, The Final Fight, where, where Anthony Wong, as, as Ip, receives a phone call from the actor playing his son telling him that his mother has died of, of cancer. And in the scene... The Ip Man's actual son, Ip Chun, is there in the shot. He's like the shopkeeper who tells Anthony Wong that he has a phone call. And he's watching the actor playing his father listen to the actor playing himself tell him that his mother has died. So it's like this weirdly like refraction of, of history and cinema into this one moment. And it's incredibly moving. Whereas Ip Man 3 is totally artificial. And there are, there are like moments where you want to sympathize with Ip, where, where Donnie is crying, where Donnie is like romancing his wife. He learns to dance. He takes dance cha-cha lessons from uh, the actor playing Bruce Lee. And, you know, they clearly want you to be moved. They want to humanize Ip Man. But it's, it's so phony because it's not historical. It just it really bothered me. Hmm. So what, let, let me ask you, wh- why do you think, or do you know, why there's this glut of the Ip Man movies in the last 10 years? Like, was, Well, I think I think it fills the same need that the Wong Fei-Hung films did. He's a, a folk hero. Right, I know, but like... He, well, he's a symbol of a kind of, of moral rectitude and physical perfection that uh, Hong Kong likes to invent for itself because Hong Kong as a as a culture, as a, uh, as a, an economy, as a society is very, uh, amoral. Right. Like Hong Kong had for, for decades was like the most laissez-faire capitalist place in the world. And so there's always been this kind of counter pressure for, for moral ideals in their, in their cinema. While at the same time you have like the anarchic comedy that is undercutting all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the weird mix that is Hong Kong. So, you know, that it's no different now. And there's and there's always anxieties going on in Hong Kong, especially, you know, there's uh, 
the fact that it's now technically part of China and it's got this like weird relationship where it's like this ultra capitalist country within a totalitarian communist state. And there's a, a lot of real uneasiness in Hong Kong and there's a need for a hero like this. And a lot of it has to do with Bruce Lee, uh, who is still like a, a, an incredibly iconic figure in, in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, more than forty years after after he's died, he's still this the symbol of of Chinese and and Hong Kong specifically masculinity and and power and strength and not you know submitting to to the West or to China. Right. So I mean, it's just it's filling the same the same need that Wang Fei Hung is in a slightly more twenty first century way. Is like they're they're basically remaking the Wong Fei Hung films, but they're changing the names to Ip right. Man. Right. Well, yeah. Sure. So, so, will you be in line for Ip Man Four whenever that comes down the pipeline? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, you're I a mean, sucker. <laughs> I don't. I don't think these these films are great, but there are, there are enough great things in them. Like all of the action scenes in in Ip Man Three are really good. Like they're really well done. And I, I love watching Donnie Yen fight. I don't really care for Donnie Yen as an actor for the most part, but I think he's, he's a tremendous on-screen fighter. Yeah. No, he's remarkable. Yeah. So I, I will basically see anything that he's in just to see him. Right. Do that. Whether, whether or not there's like other levels to the films that make it interesting to me, it's, it's worth it just to see, Donnie fight right do you think he's gonna get to fight in uh, rogue one i don't know and i guess uh, i guess we can kind of transition into into talking about donnie he's our our person of the week he is our person of the week if you if you if you're just tuning in (laughs) donnie yen is our person of the week (laughs) that's true and uh i don't know why he wouldn't like he's he's worked as uh, a choreographer um, in Hollywood before uh, he he speaks English very well. He uh, he grew up in he grew up in Hong Kong and also in Boston. He moved to Boston when he was eleven, um, and then kind of kind of split between between America and and China. After that, I guess he got into like uh, gangs in Boston. So his parents sent him to to Beijing. Oh man, to I'd love study to watch like a, like a Departed with Donnie Yen. That'd well, be, that'd yeah, there's there's actually uh, uh, there's like a, a a Chinatown gang movie directed by Andrew Lau, who did uh, Infernal Affairs. Oh, there you go. Uh, that is supposed to be really bad, but I've been wanting to watch <laughs> it. It's on it's on like Amazon Prime. I just haven't watched. It. I think it's called like uh, uh, Rise of the Green Dragon or something like that. <laughs> uh, uh, Donnie's not in it, but uh, I think. Uh, Yeah, like Robert Patrick might be in it or something. Oh dear God! Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been wanting to see that. And and Andrew Andrew Lau uh, to tie it back to Donnie. Andrew Lau directed Donnie in uh, a 2010 film called uh, Legend of the Fist: uh, The Rise of Chen Zhen. Chen Zhen, who is uh, Chen Zhen? If you've seen uh, uh, Bruce Lee's Fist of Fury, that's the character Bruce Lee played in that. And this is kind of a a sequel. Or a prequel 
to the Chen Zhen story. And Donnie had played that same character in a, a television show. Because this is the thing about Donnie Yen. Like he's, he's a big star now, but that is a very recent thing. He, it took him 20 years to break through as a star. Which you'd be, you know, watching mismatched couples, you'd be surprised because you would assume that he would, he would have been like uh, Humphrey Bogart by the end of the, uh, that film's run in the theaters. But well, he he had a lot of he had a lot of false starts. A lot of a lot of performances where you would think he, that he would break through. That that is not one of them. <laughs> uh, but he followed that up with uh, with a uh, a couple of present day cop films, uh, Tiger Cage, with which Wen Wuping directed and. Uh, Stars Simon Yam and uh, Jackie Chung. That's actually like a pretty good kind of sub John Woo, nineteen eighty eight crime film. Uh, and then there's In the Line of Duty four, which is a spinoff of the Michelle Yeoh Girls with Guns series. It doesn't star Michelle Yeoh. Uh, it's uh, I think Cynthia Khan is the uh, is the lead actress, and and Donnie is like a rival cop in that, uh, and he's he's very good. But uh, but neither of them really caught on. He's in. He's the villain in Choi Hark's remake of uh, of Dragon Gate Inn, uh, called New Dragon Gate Inn, and he's he's really good there. And uh, uh, he's especially great as the villain in well, not the villain, kind of the rival to Jet Li in Once Upon a Time in China too. Uh, but none of those. And you know, including Iron Monkey or Wing Chun, none of none of those really broke out with with Donnie as a star on the level of of Jet Li, and, and certainly not like Jackie Chan or anything like that. Um, he was just he was considered like a great fighter, but there's like something missing with his screen presence, perhaps, or he just wasn't catching on with audiences, except for like the hardcore kung fu movie aficionados who who appreciated his uh, athletic skill. Uh, it wasn't until 2005 with uh, with SPL that he first that he really had like a hit as the the main star of the film, and that was directed by Wilson Yip, and it was followed up, like I said, by by Flashpoint in 2007, and then the Ip Man film started in 2008, and that that series with Wilson Yip really established him as a star, and now he's he's 51 years old, and he's probably like the number one action star in china right now in in hong kong at least well yeah i mean as evidenced by i mean you, you look at his filmography you know the yeah. upcoming stuff and you know like you said he's in crouching tiger uh two and um you know being this pick for star wars and all those kinds of things he's i mean he's definitely yeah. money in the bank yeah right he now. was uh he has he has a small part in in jeng Mo's hero which uh, came out in two thousand. Yeah, it came out in two thousand two when when Donnie was not a name at all. Like he he went bankrupt in the late nineties because uh, he tried uh, directing and he was like financing it himself. And uh, his, always a good idea. His directorial effort, uh, uh, Ballistic Kiss, is really bad. Yeah, <laughs> like it's really bad, <laughs> uh, and it did not do well. Uh, but uh, but Jet Li like insisted on on Donnie being cast as uh, he's the first of the potential assassins that Jet Li fights in Hero, the one with the spear in the uh, oh yeah in the woods in, no in the in the kind of the courtyard with the rain falling down. There's like a chess and there's like an old guy playing a oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 yeah. 
that's uh, that's Donnie, and it's a it's a really great fight scene. It's probably the best you know like single fight sequence in in that film, and it's it's Donnie and 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 Jet Li. I did not know that. Yeah, and that's and that's probably where where most people, if you've seen if you've ever seen Donnie, and that's probably where you first saw him, unless you were like into kung fu films in the nineties. Um, but yeah, but now now he's great, and and SPL and and Flashpoint are not really great films. Uh, Wilson Yip is not a particularly good director. He's not he's not he's a competent director of action. And Donnie is a really good choreographer, and Yip uh, directs the action well. He films it well. He cuts it well. You know, working with Donnie, um, but his films don't have a lot of subtext. Yeah, like he's not he's not an auteur. And Wen Wuping is kind of the same way, except Wen is like an exceptional choreographer as well. Uh, so that's that's kind of the thing with Donnie's movies is they're missing like an extra layer that like Lau Kar Lung's films have or Jackie Chan's or Sammo Hung's films have. Like they're, they're really great on surface, but there's not a lot of, of not a lot underneath that. Yeah. Which, which can be dissatisfying. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of that has to do with his limitations as an actor. He's just, there's something there's something weird about him. There's something robotic. You know, I, I've compared him to Keanu Reeves, where you, you kind of like him, but he's kind of not good. <laughs> you, you know, the, hey, Keanu's been a person of the week on this show. Yeah, you know, I, I love Keanu, but there's like there's something there's something off about them, and I don't right. I don't really know what it is. It's like he's he's not quite believable as a human. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I, I get that. That's a yeah. good way of putting it. But I like him. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, you know, he's the star of the Donnie Yen show. I don't know. So you you have seen fewer Donnie Yen movies than me. What is what is your impression of of Donnie as as an actor? Well, I haven't really, you know, until this week on the show, I had, you know, like I I've seen him in a few things, um, but I guess this goes to show what you're saying here is I hadn't really considered him as an actor or as a personality until we uh, decided to do this episode of the show. So it's really the two movies that we're talking about this week that are uh, forefront in my mind. Um, and they're we're, and we're going to, we're about to, we're getting close to our discussion here about uh, mismatched couples. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those are two, for the most part, pretty different movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and so I, I think that would give those these two movies are the ones that give you the range of Donnie Yen. <laughs> and and in some respects it's 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 quite a gulf and in some other respects it's not that hard it's not that big of a stretch for him I guess you know there's less mugging in the Iron Monkey movies yeah well he's playing he's playing like the the paragon of rectitude i know of virtue <laughs> yeah <laughs> whereas in mismatched couples he's uh you know he's he's consumed a laxative and <laughs> yeah uh insanity ensues but yeah my my fa- my favorite donnie yen film that is not um iron monkey or once upon a time in china 2 is uh 
a film that that doesn't get talked about a lot. It came out in 2011. It's directed by Peter Chan. It's called Wuxia, uh, and its American title is excuse me. Its American title is Dragon. I think that's what it was on Amazon listed as, and it's kind of a uh, it's like a kung fu detective film with uh, like a variation on uh, the David Cronenberg movie A History of Violence, where Donnie plays a uh, like a kung fu master who is pretending to be an ordinary person in a small town and then uh, gets involved in a, a fight when somebody invades his house and Takashi Kaneshiro is like the detective investigating the crime and begins to suspect that Donnie has like hidden powers. Uh, it's a really, really good movie that uh, that nobody ever talks about. Well, do you want to know a little tidbit about that movie? Okay. The, billboard, the billboard promoting it mm-hmm. broke the Guinness Book of World Records uh, for its size. It was 3,591 <laughs> square meters, which was a previously held uh, for a Michael Jackson album. So yeah. Donnie took down Michael Jackson. Yep, and I, I see that you are reading the Wikipedia page. <laughs> Uh, but, what are you talking about? I don't use any sort of aids when I'm doing this show. Yeah, Wu Wuja is is really good, and the the cast has got Jimmy Wang Yu, the original One Arm Swordsman. It's got Kara Kara Hui, who is uh, a star of uh, several Lau Kar Lung films, and uh, uh, Tong Wei, who is like our favorite hey. actress of 2015. So Wait, she's in something else. I just saw her name in something else. She's in Monster Hunt, which is the other. That's what it is, which you just watched as well. Yeah, it's the other Chinese movie that that opened this week in the U.S. And that's right. Yeah, is also okay. Yeah, uh, but I... but yeah, go if you want to see like really good a really good Donnie Yen movie, like Donnie Yen working with like a true like great director, which he's very rarely done in his career. Uh, go see go see Wuxia. Okay. Or Dragon. Okay. So sounds good. Yeah. So transitioning into our uh, essential now is uh, the tie-in with mismatched couples, and it's uh, our essential dance fight. And and as you said when you proposed this idea, that can mean one of two things. Right. Uh, would you like to explain it's, what, uh, what a dance fight would be? It's a, a a fight uh where where uh I can't remember what I said. It's uh it's either a fight that is resolved through dance or a dance, dance competition or a dance that like is actually a fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like an actual like dance competition fight thing. Right, right. Uh, yes. So, uh did you have a did you have one sprung your sprung your mind right away? Yeah, the the first thing that sprung to mind is uh, uh, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. And now there's uh, there's the the uh, there's a scene like right in the middle of the film where the seven brothers go to like the local town for like a barn raising, and they they do this like incredibly athletic dance to impress the local girls, and then following that they're all working on building the house and then the rival men who are upset that they dance so well with their women uh pick a fight with them and then they 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 all fight around this like half-built barn and it's just as choreographed as the dance was 
but they are but it's like completely destructive destroying this half-built house and it's just like complete chaos but it's as balletic as this like iconic dance sequence was right before that so that's, that's uh stanley donnan right yeah yeah stanley Donnan. i think uh i think michael kidd did the choreography mm. let me look that up have you seen seven brides for seven brothers i have not seen seven brides for seven brothers I, I thought you didn't like Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. I didn't for a long time, and I, I rewatched it a few years ago, and it is really good. Well, there you go. I like it's got uh, it in in the the second half. It like takes a uh, like inspiration from the story of the the Romans stealing the the Sabine women. And basically, in, in trapping them, and that's how Rome was built by stealing women, so that they could have children. Uh, and uh, it kind of takes inspiration from that. But but there are lots of clever ways where it where it kind of disrupts the uh, the inherently kind of chauvinistic uh, nature of the story, and especially the the main character played by uh, Howard Keel, who I've I've really come to like. <laughs> As I've gotten older, kiss me, Kate. Yeah, he's when I when I when I you know when you first see Howard Keel in a film, you think he's like completely absurd and ridiculous, and you he think is he, pretty completely absurd and ridiculous. Well, you think he's terrible because of that, and then like the more I watched him, the more I realized that he's like intentionally completely absurd and ridiculous because every Howard Keel movie is about how absurd and ridiculous he is, and kind of puncturing that ideal of masculinity that he represents. And this is it. this is a great example of that, uh, and I'm looking up who choreographed the barn raising scene, and I'm not finding it. Well, Michael, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, I was right. Michael Kidd, yeah. there you go. Uh, yeah, it's actually it's funny that you bring up Keel because uh, the first thing I thought of when when thinking of dance fight, I just I just <laughs> picture the it's on the poster and this is why but for Kiss Me Kate of him of him spanking um in the sure. act of in, so that was that was my first thought um and there are a lot of you know iconic dance fights or fight dancing um you know you can go back to Michael Jackson's Beat It you can do stuff mm. like that um and obviously something like West Side Story but I think since I'm on the kind of track where with mismatched couples, which is a breakdancing movie from 1985, uh, I'm going to go with a film that I actually don't think is that good. And I think it's kind of universally known as not being that good. Um, but it's it's full of dance fights <laughs> and it's breaking. It's the mm -hmm. first breaking film, which came out the year before 1984. Um, and I haven't seen it in forever in a day, but uh it is, it, once again, we will discuss this period in time in just a minute when we get to mismatched couples, this kind of weird moment in human history. But uh, there's a lot of boogaloo going on. Um, and basically, breaking the entire plot of Breaking is uh, basically people dance fighting um, in, in ludicrous outfits to kind of watered down you know, hip hop, uh, ice T is actually in the movie. He, he, he plays a rapper in the film, but, um, you know, it's, it's a Canon film, uh, which Canon's known for their kind of really cheap fly by night productions. Um, and this is not anything beyond that whatsoever. Um, 
but it's goofy and it's stupid. And, uh, you know, if you want to laugh at, you know, people preening on Venice beach, then, uh, you know, break him is for you. So, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never seen it, nor have I seen, uh, it's, it's sequel. Electric of, Boogaloo. Yes. Uh, perhaps the, the greatest, uh, sequel title of all time. <laughs> That's right. I've Cer- seen certainly both. one of the most famous, like or certainly the one that uh, is most famous, despite the fact that most people have never seen it. Right. People people use the phrase, you know, blank to electric boogaloo all the time without yep. knowing what the hell they're talking about. Yep. But I have stooped to that level and I have seen both break in films. So. Well, apparently, apparently the electric boogaloo is a breakdancing move, which Donnie Yen performs in mismatched, in mismatched couples. couples. It's true. Uh, so why don't we transition here and hear uh, a clip? This will be the music from the end credits of the film uh, as we get into our discussion of mismatched couples. listeners couldn't figure it out uh in the first hour this was you know pretty much sean's idea for this show donnie yen uh it's it's definitely his uh in his wheelhouse so to speak but you may well actually now that i'm thinking about it you may not be so surprised that it was my suggestion to do mismatched couples as the uh, companion piece film here. We were going back and forth trying to figure out another Donnie Yen film to, to talk about on the show, to pair with Iron Monkey. And uh, we threw out a bunch of stuff. You know, Bla- he's in Blade 2, apparently. There were a lot of a lot of options there. But uh, I, I found on Letterboxd that he was in a movie, one of his very first films uh, from 1985, was directed by uh, also, as we said, Wen Wu Ping, um, and it's this goofy, really goofy, really goofy comedy um, where Donnie plays uh, just a spastic breakdancing uh, freakazoid. Uh, who he's, like, just, he's like a high school kid. He's a high school kid. Yeah, he goes to class for like a second in this movie, but. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know how often school is in session because he's definitely not there. But um, but he's obsessed with breakdance. Well, he's not not just breakdancing. He loves his remote control trucks. Um, yes, <laughs> he really loves those things. Um, and he uh, he's he's in a bit of a love triangle 
uh, and he and he lives with his sister, who is a very stern, taciturn um, owner of a of a fast food restaurant called Happy Family. Um, and he brings into his household Wen Wu Ping, who is this guy he meets on the street who is just trying to get a bite to eat and is thwarted in every every step of the way. Um, and the title Mismatched Couples applies to a number of different things, actually. But uh, there's a lot of, you know, when Wu Ping is trying to, is, is, is in love with the sister, but the sister is not in the, you know, getting into a relationship. She's too serious. She thinks all men are pigs. Uh, she's not wrong. Um, and then... Well, she thinks Wu Ping specifically is a pig. And, well, and he's... He, he, he's he she's very correct that about that. Yeah. yeah. Um, meanwhile, there are kind of two villains in the film that uh, are kind of trying to mess with Donnie's uh, boogaloo, as it were. His, uh, his mojo. His mojo. There's a guy who is who thinks he's the dance king. And there's a lot of, you know, he, he's, he's a guy who we first meet where he's walking through an airport. I think he's in an airport or a bus terminal or something. It's, it's the Hong Kong airport. It's, it's the Hong Kong airport because he, he yeah. flew into town. It's a very frequent location in, in Hong Kong cinema. You, you come to know that airport very well. Okay. And we meet him when he's got he's got these mirrors attached to his sunglasses, and when I rear, view, rear view mirrors, rear yes. view mirrors <laughs> that aren't they're not actually embedded in the glass itself. They they jut out in uh, like you know, like little flagpoles, <laughs> little flagpoles, so that he can see who's behind him as and, he's do, as he's doing his. And moves. the reverse side of the mirrors are like black with like yellow lightning bolts. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that guy. He's a villain. And then my favorite character in the whole movie is the other villain, who is played by Dick Way, uh, and he is known simply as the fight champion. And he's this guy that's on the margins of the film for, for pretty much the entirety of it. He doesn't really have much to do until the very end. But he's a guy who, ha all he does is fight people. And he hasn't lost a fight since he was like four years old. And he has this insatiable need to fight people and he sees donnie has some semblance of fight prowess and he thinks donnie is 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 the only true challenger to me and i need to take him out and donnie doesn't want to fight um but is ultimately forced to when he is locked in a <laughs> he's locked inside a gym <laughs> but <laughs> this movie is just so ridiculous anyway um, this movie is bananas and it's really hard to find, but I think the opening credit sequence is on YouTube and I encourage anybody out there that's listening to this show and, and has any interest in seeing what this movie's like, watch the opening credit sequence because it's Donnie, uh, break dancing down the street, like trying to impress some women, uh, and doing a hell of a job at it. And he gets it. Impress me. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> He's got moves for days. He does. I mean, he does all. I mean, he uses his body. You know, the athleticism that we've been talking about all show. But then he also does the really cheesy. You know, gets his finger stuck in an electrical outlet and does like a electrocution bit. You know, and uh, it is goofy. <laughs> yeah, I love how he like unzips like the top half of his uh, parachute pants, so they have like a like a little. Uh, a flash of silver on the on the black pants, <laughs> but it's all part of his moves. It's all part of his moves, uh, which later he also does a zipping move. He's trying to teach um, 
the the girl he yeah. likes as opposed to his cousin who likes him. That's right. the, the other love triangle. Right. Uh, Stella is the sister, the, the cousin. Stella, Stella's the, Stella's co- the cousin. And Anna's, 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 Anna's the, the girl. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he does this. He's he's showing her some dance moves, and she's copying him. She's trying to learn how to dance. And she's in like a leotard and he's wearing his breakaway pants and stuff. And he realizes his flies down. And so he zips up and then she thinks that's a move. So she does a zip up and then he just teases her mercilessly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you, you neglected to mention the best scene in the film, which is when uh, Donnie is hanging out with Anna and the rival breakdancer Kenny shows up at the tennis court. And, and <laughs> hey, chal- I mentioned it in my review on <laughs> and and Kenny challenges Donnie to a game of tennis as as all street toughs right settle like, their disputes we're over. not going to settle this on the dance floor we yeah. might as well send it, S- settle, settle it on the court right <laughs> and and Donnie's like I don't even need a racket I will beat you with my bicycle. And he gets on his BMX and he returns every serve, like hitting it with his, uh, with his wheels. And it is, uh, it is really impressive. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's entirely fake, you know, manufactured out of editing and it doesn't make like the least bit of spatial sense, but it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Uh, this, this movie is, is, uh, is produced by the Cinema City Studio, which I'm not sure if we've talked about before on the show. But Cinema City was like the dominant force in Hong Kong in the 1980s. It was a, a studio run by these uh, three comedians, uh, Raymond Raymond Wong and uh, Dean Sheck and another one uh, that I can't remember. Uh, but uh, they would basically finance anything if you you had an idea you would go into like dean check's office and be like i want to make this movie and he'd be like how much would it cost you and you'd say like two million dollars hong kong he's like go make it and and you do it and it's where uh choi hark made uh 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 his first successful films and he eventually uh took part in in the running of the studio it's uh and that's it's kind of where uh, uh, John Woo kind of returned to to making movies. It's where Johnny Toe went back to film after being in television, and they they are known for these kinds of of anarchic comedies, like the the Samuel Hung Wheels on uh, not Wheels on Meals, but Winners and Sinners films. Just movies that like barely have a plot. They're just like a collection of scenes that are so fun to watch even if even though they don't make any sense they don't have any character they don't have good acting they rarely have action scenes but they're just they're just so much fun to like hang out with these movies and that's that's like the great thing about a cinema city film is even when like every aspect of it is terrible it's still really fun to watch right and and it and its humor is painted in the broadest strokes imaginable like the the actual jokes in this movie aren't really that funny, but the movie itself is ridiculous. And yeah. in, in an intentional way, that is really funny. Um, yeah, yeah and know, so, some of the jokes are like, they're not even like fully developed or paid off. Like there's a, there's a, a laxative joke 
where where Donnie goes to a party and Kenny, the rival breakdancer, is going to like spike his drink with a laxative and then put a camera in the bathroom. <laughs> in both bathrooms. In, in in both bathrooms. So whichever bathroom Donnie picks, they'll be able to like show him pooping <laughs> on the big screen in the party. <laughs> Uh, so Donnie, of course, like mixes up the drinks. So he and Kenny both end up drinking the laxative and then they both which, end up going to the bathroom and then which, like, wait, 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 which, which by the way, the, the best part of that is that Kenny says, Kenny realizes what's going to happen yeah. and he's like, fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> like, it's you, worth it. <laughs> it's worth it for me to have the runs, uh, because you're going to have them too. <laughs> So, so they drink the laxative, they both go to the bathrooms, like Kenny's henchman like sets up the camera, and then like a drunk guy knocks over the, uh, knocks out the wire and then plugs in the wrong wire so it'll be Kenny on screen. Uh, the drunk guy played by, by Brandy Wen, by the way, who was one of Wen Wuping's brothers. Uh, just as a Good to an, know. As an aside. Good to know. That, yeah, uh, the, 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 there are several members of the Wen clan, and, and Wu Ping is only the, the most famous of them. Uh, anyway, so uh, Kenny is going to be the one who's, who's on camera, and we see it, but, but that's it. We see like a glimpse of it. There's no like poop sound effects. There's no like, ooh, like people being disgusted. There's no kind of reaction from anybody to what happens. Like the dr the joke is set up and we're at like a Wayans Brothers film, it would be like extended for three minutes. But right. Wen Wu Ping just kind of throws it away. <laughs> yeah. The, it, the only reaction really is uh his henchman who who's known as uh colorful punk because right. he's got this uh, mohawk and uh <laughs> He's getting into these shenanigans. He's chastised, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. like the party just keeps going, and it's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> no it's, one cares. it's so weird because they spend so long setting up the joke, and then they never pay it off. Yeah. So just like in the matter of like basic joke construction, it doesn't, the film is really haphazard. Yes. <laughs> but it's still, it's still so much fun to watch. It is fun. And, you know, I don't do this with movies. I actually, I, this is one of my pet peeves. I hate it, you know, um, starting a movie and then pausing it and coming back to it, you know, 20 minutes later or half hour later. But for various reasons today, um, I had to do that. Um, I was like super exhausted. So I started, I got like a half hour in and I was like, oh God, I'm going to pass out. So I took a nap and stuff and then I came back to it and my dog was bugging me. And this is the total, this is a movie to me that I actually may have appreciated it more by the fact that I watched it in like 20, 30 minute chunks because uh, it can be really tiring. Yeah. Uh, it's 90 minutes, but it, you know, it is packed to the gills with this kind of uh, absurdity and insanity. And so like I was always, whenever I got back to the movie today, I was always happy to be back because I was like, okay, what's the next crazy thing that's going to happen? Whereas if I watched it in one sitting by the end, when there's the, 10 minute battle with the fight champion i may have been exhausted by that point but i wasn't i was very into that and, that, and i think that scene is really great uh, so yeah it's a really it's a really goofy movie yeah the 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 guy who plays the the fight champion dick way is uh is one of the the great uh villains in kung fu films he, he's like the ultimate bad guy i think in in sam hung's project a uh jackie chan movie um yeah, he's a lot of fun. What What do you think of of uh, like Donnie Yen as an actor in this movie is 
is does very little yeah, to, all he, to, all to make he, him a star. Uh, all he has to do, or all he does in this movie, is smile as broadly as possible. Yeah, and uh, and shake his butt. I mean, I mean, yeah. really, that's all he's doing in this movie. What What do you think of of Wen Wuping as an actor? Because he he acted very rarely in in films. Like there's there's this and uh, and Sammo Hung's uh, Eastern Condors are like some of the only movies I ever remember seeing him as an actor. Uh, I I mean, once again, it's all it's all part of a broad palette that we're working with here. Um, but I, I really I really liked him. I mean, I think he's really adorable. You know, he's yeah. really he's really awkward looking. Is he uh, is he what you expected when Wuping to look oh, like? Oh, good as, God, no! Absolutely as like world famous action choreographer, like the no. action choreographer of The Matrix and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And, no, no, no. He, no. He looks like he looks like an accountant. Yeah, <laughs> he's 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 little. He's really scrawny. He's he's got like these giant glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, but he's super fun, and he, and uh, he's got so, he's got some really great set pieces himself in this movie. Where you know when they're trying to hide him in the apartment, it's like mm-hmm. a three's company kind of thing where they're trying to hide him from the sister, um, and they like put him in the couch and uh, you know un, you know under the cushions, and they like sit on him and stuff, and they put him in a uh, in the cousin's room and make him pretend to be a table. Yeah, and they like put a, like a fishbowl on top of him that he, right. he can't hold. Yeah, he's uh, there's like a an interesting kind of you, you think there's like going to be an interesting backstory with the character because uh, it uh, he he mentions that he was the, that the reason that he can't get a job is because the only thing he ever learned how to do was was act in uh, the opera. He only right. knows. <laughs> He only knows like Peking opera, kung fu. He can't do anything else. But it, it never comes back into the film. Like whenever whenever there's a, a time that he would have to fight, he like falls over. He's like yeah, never comes up. Yeah, but um, there's like and, there's like one scene where he like demonstrates some moves in like a breakdancing competition, and you're like, okay, I can see how that guy is you know, like the best fight choreographer in the world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's never called on it. Well, what's also interesting, and I don't want to, um, I don't want to rely too much on the subtitles because the subtitles on the version we watched uh, were really bad. <laughs> well, sure. sure. Um, but that's another plot thing that kind of goes unchecked. Is in the beginning of the movie, the whole reason that Donnie Yen says I'm going to take you under my wing is he's like you're gonna he calls him like a teacher i'm gonna like learn from you or something like that right he's like gonna learn like the kung fu moves from right and he and that never happens yeah the whole movie like never comes up yeah i think i think i think i don't know if that's like a mistranslation or it's just like a, a plot element that just never got picked up um or if it's more kind of like an honorific kind of thing like uh, the way that they meet is is Donnie accidentally like runs whooping over with his bicycle and then and then you know finds him later as whooping is like starving he's trying to get food and he feels bad for him so he's going to help him right. out and, and get him a job and help him get back on his feet uh, and I don't the the kind of uh, like master relationship might have just been an honorific thing like you're you're my elder I feel bad I'm going to help you out right although Donnie does more teaching. Uh, to him than vice versa he takes him yeah. to the uh you know gentleman's club and stuff. <laughs> uh, so, um 
there's also a character in here that I wish I got. Well, the the character is used for comic relief and is also and is also kind of thrown under the bus, uh, unfortunately, because I actually think she's really interesting and I actually would have liked to see more of her p- plot. But there's there's this girl who's a kind of uh, they call her a tomboy and she's right. Anna's like. Uh, protector and uh there's like an implication that she's in love with anna but she's also in love with kenny right so um but anyway but she's a really interesting character because she's very quote-unquote masculine she's always trying to you know she dresses androgynously except when she's at the gym when she's wearing (laughs) some (laughs) some way too tight um and stuff and uh i thought that character was actually really interesting and i and i I, what I wanted to happen with her is I wanted her to fall, her and the fight champion, to get together, right? Because that would that it, to me that makes narrative sense for the two of them to to get together and they they never even see each other. But anyway, that's that's yeah. Well, I think this is this is kind of a, a byproduct. Like these these things that we're that we're noting are kind of a byproduct of the way that Cinema City put their their scripts together. Like it's it's literally a a committee wrote this film like it, it's credited right. to like the the peace group which right. is just like a name of, of collective writers and there are several cinema city films that are that are credited to groups like i think better tomorrow 2 is is edited by the cinema city editing team right. which which one story is that uh uh choi hark and john woo couldn't agree on a final cut for the film so the producers just took the film away from both of them they handed a reel each to different editors didn't let the editors talk amongst themselves and each one of them edited each reel separately and then they assembled all of them together and that's the final cut of the film right uh this film feels like that where it where it's just like a bunch of different ideas that are just thrown out there and put on screen and filmed in like two weeks yeah and And then and literally this movie hits the 90 minute mark and ends yeah like it like I was not expecting the movie to end when it ended. It was it was like uh, when Wu Ping ends up in the hospital, and the sister goes to see him, and then they leave the hospital room, and then it's over. <laughs> yeah, well, it well the it has the big fight sequence, and once you have the big fight sequence, you don't need anything else. Right, exactly. It's it's like a it's like a Hollywood musical. You have to like it's like a Fred Astaire Ginger Rogers musical. You have like the big uh, production number, and then there's like two scenes of plot resolution and and that's it you don't need any more because the only reason you watched was for the big production number right uh yeah this is uh wen Ping. i think is is an interesting director i I think we kind of touched on it on when we talked about iron monkey is that he's he's a great like filmer of action he's a great choreographer of action but he doesn't he's not what you would call an auteur really like there's nothing really personal in like the stories that he makes he doesn't seem to care all that much about that he what he cares about is putting crazy stuff on screen and filming it in ways that nobody has thought to do before and i i really like him as a director even though a lot of the movies he makes are are like this they're they're uneven at best yeah the uh his really good ones like Iron Monkey, Wing Chun, uh, uh, Tai Chi Master, which is another Jet Li one from 1993. That's 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 really amazing. Um, uh, I like a lot, and there's like there's a lot to enjoy in them. There's 
uh, one Wen Wuping film that that is supposedly going to be remade soon that uh, I would definitely recommend to you and to anyone listening is from 1982. It's called The Miracle Fighters, and it doesn't it doesn't have any like major stars in it, and it's like a a, a fantasy comedy thing with like a lot of magic and witchcraft, and it's basically what a Jean Cocteau Wuja film would look like. That sounds amazing. Yeah, uh, uh, Beardy is the the star of it. So, oh, well, you know, all right, it's going on my watch list right, <laughs> right. this second. Uh, doing it. Yeah, I really, really recommend that one. It's supposed to be remade uh, next year, year or a year from now, and and of course, Wan Wu Ping is is directing Crouching Tiger Two, which is coming out this year with with Donnie Yen and, and Michelle Yeoh again. So next month. Yeah, is it next month that that comes out? Yep, on I haven't Netflix. Seen a, Oh, is it is it only on Netflix or is it going to theaters? I think there's a debate about that because uh, when they announced that it was going to be released simultaneously, uh, okay. all the theater owners said, "Screw that, we're not going to run it." So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if there's any decision has been made on that, but uh, yeah, it's supposed to. I, I think it's end of February. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. Like Mich- Michelle Yeoh is is somebody who has not gotten a lot of work in recent years and. You know I love Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, I do know this, Sean. Yeah, so <laughs> so seeing seeing her and Donnie in 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 a Wen Wu Peng film again should be should be really great. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, we're gonna hear. Uh, you know, we heard Donnie play the piano, but now we're gonna hear him sing. And uh, yeah, this know. this is uh, this is from a film directed by Raymond Wong, Raymond Wong who was uh, one of the founders of the Cinema City Studio. Uh, it came out last year. It's called An Inspector Calls. And I haven't seen the movie yet, but this is a scene from the film where Donnie plays all four parts of a band and he sings uh, Sherry. <laughs> it happened. Yep.
Yeah, and when I when I first gave you that that link, you you did not believe that that was Donnie Yen, and I I researched it, and everything I can find on the credits of the movie, Donnie Yen is the only credited singer there. So all of those parts, that is all Donnie. I I am stunned. Well, yeah. I I stand corrected, yeah. and 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 after our you know ninety minutes of Donnie Yen. I, I shouldn't have put it past him. The yeah. man is talented beyond belief. Yeah, maybe maybe if you had seen Mismatched Couples before <laughs> right. I sent you the clip, you would have believed it. I would have been like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Donnie, Donnie can do anything That's except, right. you know, be like a really good actor. Right. <laughs> except for the thing he's paid for. Um, so next time on the show, uh, there's a new Claire Denis movie coming. Uh, no. 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 What's going on? Uh, the Northwest Film Forum on the on Valentine's Day weekend, like the the twelfth through the fourteenth, they are pairing the new Philippe Garel film *In the Shadow of Women* with Claire Denis' debut film. That's what it is. Chocolat. I knew there was a new film coming out, which yeah. is a fantastic Valentine's Day double feature in in a long tradition of excellent Valentine's Day double features at the Northwest Film Forum, and so we wanted to to kind of uh, anticipate that with, with our show, which will be coming out a week before that happens. We were going to do a Claire Denis and a, and a Garel, but we couldn't find any Garel that we actually wanted to watch. <laughs> so we're going we're, we're gonna to do a Claire Denis film, one, one that I haven't seen, which you insisted that we had to do one, which I hadn't seen. Damn uh, straight. Although you really need to see Beau Trevaille. I will see both of. I mean, I've seen some Claire Denis. Don't, I, right. I'm not. You know, this isn't going to be the first for me. But I do need All to. See, right. I know. I know it comes up time and again. Yeah. But but this that, time because that's like the best one. I want I, I want you to watch Botrevi before the next show. In addition to the two that we're going to watch, that's you have two I weeks. Can do that. You can do it. I can do that. Uh, so we're going to watch uh, Bastards, which was her most recent film, I believe, it came out in 2013, and it is apparently. According to Wikipedia, somewhat of a remake of Akira Kurosawa's *The Bad Sleep Well*, so we're going to watch that too. Damn straight. Which uh, I I'm excited for that. That is uh, that's one of the Kurosawa films I saw when I like first started renting Kurosawa videotapes 20 years ago, and I haven't seen it since. So I'm I'm excited to revisit that one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's one I, it's one I haven't seen. I've seen quite a few. I still haven't seen *Redbeard*. <laughs> It's been a month since I said I hadn't seen Redbeard, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Black, Bad Sleepwell is one that I've wanted to see for a long time. I love the title. So, yeah. um, if you are in, speaking of Valentine's Day, uh, in New York, uh, the Museum of the Moving Image is doing. Um, they're in the middle, or they're they're starting a series called uh, See It Big Documentary, um, where they're just showing all these kinds of great documentaries. Um, in February, and on Valentine's Day, they're doing three in a row here. Ready? Starting at 2.30, you've got Errol Morris's Fast, Cheap, and Out of Control. 4.30, you've got Les Blank's Burden of Dreams. And then at 7 o'clock, Werner Herzog's Lessons of Darkness, which I mm. think that's a hell of a day at the Cinemaplex. 
Yeah, that's that's interesting. Good. They're all all three of them were 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 friends, of course, and yeah, and, and worked and, together and influences and and burden of dreams is it ties in with the Herzog and the sure. whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so. uh, that's nifty. Yeah. Well, playing at the uh, the Eastman House in Rochester, New York. Uh, it's been going on for a couple of weeks now. Is a seven film series of thirty five millimeter prints of Johnny Toe films. What? Uh, they've already played A Hero Never Dies, Where a Good Man Goes, Running Out of Time, and this week uh, they played The Mission, but there are still uh, three more coming up. On the 28th, uh, they're playing Election, uh, which, uh, which I mentioned earlier is, uh, is kind of uh, a Shaolin movie. Uh, and then on Wednesday the 3rd, they're playing Exiled, which is one of my very favorite Johnny Toe films, and Exile's really good. Yeah, if, if I like have to pick a film to recommend to people who've never seen a Johnny Toe movie, Exile is usually the one that I pick. Uh, and then the the series concludes on February fifth with uh, with Office, the film we talked about when it uh, played here last fall. Oh, yeah, on thirty five. Yeah. What? I think. Um, well, maybe not. That one might not be on thirty five. That's crazy. I think there actually aren't any 35 prints of that. That's, that's but uh, they say. might be playing it in 3D, which is the way to see it, right. as I've heard. So I'm, sh- I'm sure. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, you can find out more about us at thegeorgesandersshow.blogspot.com. We're on the Twitter at geosandersshow. We have an email account, thegeorgesandersshow at gmail.com. And we do some stuff over at seattlescreenscene.com. So, are we taking it out with Donnie? Or are we going back to our namesake, the beloved George Sanders? Yeah, this is uh, this is the Donnie Yen of 1940s Hollywood. <laughs> Except he could act, right? But uh, he he could not break dance like Donnie. So. No, he could not. That's yeah. why he committed suicide. That's. <laughs> 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 And that's a wrap. Yeah. (laughs) You must remember this. A kiss is just a kiss. A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental things apply As time goes by And when two lovers woo They still say I love you On that you can rely No matter what the future brings As time goes by Moonlight and love songs Never out of date Hearts full of passion Jealousy and hate Woman needs man And man must have his mate That no one can deny 
It's still the same old story A fight for love and glory A case of do or die 